You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hey, everyone. Welcome to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. I'm Praveen, your host for the day. Okay, so today's guest, you know, is someone who I have been looking up to since I came into this MSP field. He's someone who doesn't call himself a business coach. In fact, he calls himself not a business coach. Can you believe that? So he was a former MSP owner, you know, just had a very successful exit, if I'm not wrong, just under a year. He's been creating a lot of content since then. Even before that, he was creating a lot of content, but post his exit, he's been creating a lot of content around video marketing, you know, just helping out MSP and not just MSPs, but even smaller MSP, I mean, business owners out there with a suite of you know, content around you know, running your business, finances, you know, equipments that you could use, pretty much everything. Personally, I've benefited a lot from his blog. So welcome to Superpod, the No Filter MSP show, Pete. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be on here. Excited. You know, I want to start off by asking you, you know, I did tell a lot of, about you, you know, the stuff that you share on LinkedIn and stuff. So I want to start off with something, you know, tell us something that is not there out there on your website or your LinkedIn. Something that's not out there. Oh, once upon a time, I was in a band and we supported scouting for girls uh-huh. as a thing, <laughs> that we, which was like quite a big British band at the time. But yeah, that, I, I play the drums. I mean, I'm, I'm very into my drums, but I was kind of hoping to get back into getting after I sold the business. But then, hey, COVID hit and now you can't leave your house. So I don't think yes. I was going to annoy my neighbours too much by doing that. <laughs> Got it. But you know, that doesn't actually count as an unknown fact because I did read that you're a good drummer. I think it's oh. there on your <laughs> But anyways, I think uh, I'll give you like half a point and move on to your first question. You know, I introduced you saying you had a recent MSP acquisition, right? Just under a year or specifically just before the lockdown, if I'm right, right? A week That's right. Yeah, about two weeks, two weeks before lockdown happened. <laughs> ah, okay. So, you know, what can you talk to us about, you know, the acquisition? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, there's, it's a hot topic, right? MSP acquisitions. And as we speak, a lot of MSPs that are getting, thinking of getting acquired are getting acquired, right? Mm-hmm. So well, what do you want to tell those folks who are planning to get acquired or, you know, what, what is it that you can share for them? Yep. Well, yeah, so the whole acquisition and MA kind of trail that we we went on the end of last year, end of last year, no, it's the year before now, Christ, 2019. It wasn't anything we planned. And it was actually, we went to, there was a, a show at Datacon or a session they ran at Datacon that was all about M&A. And I went there with the intentions to learn about buying other IT companies so we can help, you know, grow the company and, and grow for acquisition that way. And one of the questions they asked was, who's looking to sell right now? And one person put their hand up in the entire room. Like, okay, who's looking to acquire? And everyone in the entire room put their hand up. So I was like, well, firstly there, there's a point of, would you put your hand up in the room when it's full of all your competitors? So maybe you wouldn't want to tell everyone that you're going to sell because then everyone would know. But equally, it did make me think that actually, if if you're looking to sell maybe now or then was a good time because everyone's looking to buy and no one's looking to sell. So that was kind of the first thing in my mind. And then we came home, had a bit of a think about it and we never wanted to sell. Our plan was never ever to sell. And, you know, until we hit traditional retirement when we're elderly and you know, 60s and 70s and those kind of things. But then we just thought, hey, we've had like a good pretty much decade of running the business as it was. We were always growing. We never had any kind of down years. We were always kind of, you know, the numbers and figures and staff numbers and customers were always going up. We thought, hey, you know, if there's a time to sell, now would be a good time because, you know, that there's been no negativity that we can see at all. And we did. And we decided, well, let's let's go for it because we'd rather us not do this for the next kind of two decades. We didn't want kind of this to be us for the rest of our life. That's quite one of those 
I don't know if it's like a midlife crisis, but you get to a certain stage where you're like, okay, this is this is us. This is cool. Is this us for the next 20 years? Not sure how comfortable I felt with that. So we, we thought, Let, let's do this and let's see what the options are. So yeah, in terms of the M&A thing, it was actually super quick. I don't know if this is like, would be the same for anybody else that, that did it. But from my experience was we got an external FD involved because we needed some kind of third party assistance with, well, how do you, how do you price yourself? So what are you worth and what are your expectations with the whole process? And basically just to guide us through the process. And we found someone that had, had been through the process before with a much larger um, MSP. So we we're like, okay, well, they, they know the industry, they know the kind of market. So let's, let's go with them. They helped us through the initial figures. And we then essentially had to go out and sell the business because you don't know what it's worth until you actually go and try and find someone to acquire it. And we, I think I posted an anonymous question on the tech tribe, like an IT um, group. I posted an anonymous question on there and someone contacted me off the back of that saying they knew someone that had some money and they wanted to buy a business. And we spoke to those people. We also spoke to a few others that, that were interested and basically sold it through the tech tribe technically, which was really bizarre. It's like an online dating thing. But we found, found the company through tech tribe and they're a perfect fit. And, and the whole process was just so smooth, in all honesty. It was, you know, we, we said yes, we signed off heads of terms and what have you. And then it was essentially, must be in what, two or three months of the process that you go through. But everyone had told me that that process was really tough. And, you know, they're going to rip your company apart. They're going to tear all the accounts apart. They're going to tear all the legals apart and say how, you know, how much of a bad company you are and try and devalue your company and all those kind of things that you get scared with. And we just didn't really have any of that. It was just, you know, we, we had a, a whole load of files with all our documentation of you know, all our legals, all our financials, all the contracts and those kind of things, and kind of just picked it up and then gave it to them. And it was all in there to answer all their questions. And that was kind of it, really. And then they took some time to process all of that. But it was such a straightforward process. It was a horrible process to go through in one way, because that day, I'm very much a people person, I would say. I'm an introvert, but I'm still a people person. I, I love like people and relationships and friends and you know i hold everyone very close to me but that day when you go in essentially you're to your company that we're all you know colleagues and friends and then having these other people sat in the room and then having to tell people that you've sold your business to these people and i wouldn't wish that one on anyone that was a horrible experience to go through and not one i'd like to go through again <laughs> i don't think it was just it just wasn't very nice when you, you feel like you're letting everybody down even though you're not because we've done all our due diligence you know we, we found the people that we thought would be the best fit and would, would you know, continue the company as they are, look after the customers, look after the staff, all that kind of stuff. It was an interesting process. Many lessons learned for next time. You know, Make sure everything's up to date. Make sure your accounts are up to date. One thing I was quite bad at was making sure assets were actually kept up to date in zero, which we were just bad at. We, you know, All the invoices would go on to us. You know, we, we did the bookkeeping and they might go under the wrong account codes and not then be stored as an asset. So we were, we were quite bad at that. But yeah, like I say, many lessons learned. Very interesting experience. And I think if I was to do it again next time, all I would say to people is to look at, say, your EBITDA number, uh-huh. because that's something that, you know, every IT company goes to. As soon as you look at valuing a company, it starts at that EBITDA number. And then it's just the debate around, well, what are your multiples? What percent of your company is recurring revenue versus block time and billable hours and all those kind of things. But to pay attention to that figure, not to the degradation of the company. So you shouldn't be start being, you know, ripping out costs and, you know, you want to keep the service as a service. But if you are keen on selling, then, then just look at that number and see if you can improve it because then you'll get a bigger multiple or, you know, the multiple will mean more if the number's bigger. So yeah, many things learned. No, oh, that's a very long answer to your question. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, I was looking for as well. Because, you know, a couple of interesting things that you mentioned was the, you know, number of buyers were more in the market. So that was the quantitative reason. And qualitative is this something that I want to keep doing the next 20 years, right? Because that's key to most uh, acquisitions, right? If I, if I don't enjoy doing something, 
So that was a big takeaway for me, right? Because quantitatively, yes, there are a lot of buyers, but if I enjoy doing this for next 20 years, there's no point in selling my business. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I want to just touch up on one point where you said, you know, you didn't let go of any of your staff, I'm assuming. They joined the new company, if that's right. The whole point was literally, it would just get taken as is. I'm, I'm not sure how much I can talk about that in terms of yeah, contractual yeah, obligations. Was, but yeah, the idea is that everything would just carry on as normal. It's, essentially, the business yeah. continues just without me and the directors in it. Got it. So that brought me to a very interesting point about, you know, if let's say I'm an MSP and let's say I'm doing, let's say a million, million and a half in turnover. So let's say if I have an offer to kind of get acquired. So what are the leverages that I have that I can speak to my, you know, person who's acquiring me? Obviously, let's say keeping my employees could be one leverage. So what are the leverage points do you think MSP owners should be or can be negotiating? Well, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, there are plenty of opinions out there. And again, it comes down to different opinions from different people who, you know, will have their own versions of it. But common things I hear and see as well are, you know, recurring revenue is a big one. The higher the recurring revenue, the more valuable you are, rather than the one-offs that may or may not happen again in future. Particularly with a, you know, if someone's acquiring you, to know that they've got the recurring revenue coming in is a nice kind of thing for them. And also then contra- that brings in contracts. If you're signing your customers into contracts, then that is great from a, a buyer's perspective because they know they've got the customers in for two, three, five years, whatever, whatever you're signing them up to. But then I know on the other side of that, from you running the business, that's perceived as quite a negative thing because you don't want to be signing your customers up to long contracts because that sounds like you're possibly not very good if you're having to sign people into contracts. So there's a, there's a nice kind of middle ground there. And I always think that my opinion is annual contracts are reasonable because there's a certain... There's a certain commitment from you and the IT company to deliver something to the client. And also as the IT company, you're taking on commitments and and lots of, even though lots of vendors and MSP software companies and hardware companies, they're still working their way to being more kind of MSP suited um, in terms of pricing contracts. There are still some that will, will sign you up for a year. So when you're trying to provide a service to a customer, you might have to then sign up yourself to like an annual contract with somebody for whatever it might be, antivirus licenses or security monitoring or whatever it is. And it's nice to know that actually, hey, Mr. Customer, if you sign for the year, we kind of cover ourselves because then you know we've committed to providing the service for a year. You've committed to us for a year. And it also just makes the relationship a bit easier, I find, because certainly when you're onboarding customers, I find the first few months, you do suck up some time because you're trying to figure everything yeah. out. You're trying to learn all the things in the networks and you essentially make a financial loss on those first weeks, months, whatever it is. And then you recoup that later on because you then put in things to improve things or fix the things that were commonly going offline or, you know, servers, blue screening or whatever it is. And it takes that time. So it's good to have those year contracts in place just so you kind of have, okay, well, we've got some time to, to bed in, fix the problems. And then the problem is there that you get to a year's time, everything's kind of fixed, everything's settled down and they go, well, hey, we don't have IT problems anymore. We probably don't be pay- need to be paying that much anymore, do we? And you go, well you do because we're doing all this stuff that you don't really see and then it just comes down to then the communication and showing them reports to say i know you haven't phoned us this month but we've done all of this behind the scenes we've checked your antivirus we made sure you're up to date your security is in place and is all up to date with definitions there's it's it's showing the value adds that they don't directly see because ultimately they should not have to call you they should just get on with their business and you're just behind the scenes tinkering and making sure things work basically yeah, I think the best customer service or, you know, IT service is the one that doesn't exist, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah, so, exactly that. Yeah, so one final question on acquisitions, right? So the people aspect, I'm pretty sure it is an emotional journey as you touched upon and given a choice, you know, most MSP owners wouldn't want to go through that journey again. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, touch upon the communication aspect of things about, let's say, communicating across stakeholders, right? Because you have to go, as you rightly point out, tell your employees that, hey, you know what, I'm out of business. 
at what stage does those things happen is it based on nda or is it purely based on you know your relationship with your employees and stuff like that and if that's one part of my question and second thing is how do you find that middle ground saying hey you know what it's just me who is going out and stuff like that because i'm pretty sure a lot of msp owners must be going through that you know the communication dilemma it is a difficult challenge i think and communication most of the problems i find in msps are down to communication and can be fixed by communication so definitely that that becomes a big part and and certainly when going through acquisition it's you know a huge huge part of it the difficult thing is everything is under nda you know you can't say a word to anybody in fact we were we were sat in our solicitors company and uh, going you know going through all the legal paperwork and you get to the point where it says you know i think you're not allowed to tell anybody about the nda stuff you know sensitive and facial that kind of stuff and i was like well my parents know no i've checked my parents or oh, give me their names i'm going to put their names down in the contract we'll, we'll write it and i was like oh okay this is a bit serious uh, no 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 it's fine i'll just they just won't tell anybody <laughs> don't worry about it and it's, it, it gets kind of that serious at that point i guess which then makes the the whole kind of process very difficult of course because you're not allowed to tell people and you know if staff find out if customers find out that could be very very difficult for you and for your customers and staff and you know could put spanners in the works so that, that had certainly had its challenges for us along the way for sure and then also if i can go on to maybe a bit after the sale as well that was quite possibly a bit unique because of the circumstances with the the, the lockdown and pandemic and things but i had a challenge personally for myself there because you know we sold the company two weeks later the uk went into lockdown so everyone got sent home so bless them, my staff had to deal with you know new owners pandemic working from home like childcare all those kind of things all together at once which which is an awful lot and i felt like i shouldn't be helping because at that point it was the new owners company and i didn't want to be putting kind of you know going to talk to all the staff and checking in and see how they're doing and those things even though i like really really wanted to i didn't feel it was my place to because that was kind of their thing to do now and make sure their you know it's their staff make sure their staff are okay and I possibly think I dealt with that quite wrong because over time, you know, I essentially sold the company, buggered off with the money and never spoke to anyone again. <laughs> That's kind of what basically happened. And it is what basically happened because I just didn't feel like I should be talking to people. And I, I think if it would happen again, I would have just carried on talking to all my staff and, you know, try to kind of help them through things. Yeah, again, communication, I think just try and communicate more than you need to. And that helped or would have helped a lot, I think. But yeah, they, they essentially went through a period where they had new owners, new bosses, owners had disappeared and they were trying to have to figure out this whole thing and I don't think they <laughs> I liked me quite a lot for, for doing it the way I did it but it's one of those things you can't you can't predict or I mean no one could have predicted yes. it was going to happen but actually part of the reasons behind selling the business because we had you know almost a decade's worth of good business and it's like I kind of think that something might be happening maybe a financial crash I mean that was like the worst thing I thought would happen like mm-hmm. maybe it's just a financial crash and now it is oh it's just a financial crash not just the pandemic and being locked at home and not, not allowed to leave the house and exercising once a day, like none of that stuff. That was kind of one of the reasons behind the sale as well. And then also something that was put a check in the, we did it at the right time box was the tax changed on, I think it was March and March, April, 2020. So when they, they, they announced their new budget and then they put a cap on when you, if you sell a business, I think it's if you take more than a million quid, then you get taxed a load more. So we did it at the very right time because we could have carried on working for another two, three, four, five years and then sold the business, but being taxed like 40% and got no more than we did anyway. So it was just, yeah, it was quite a good time to actually kind of sell at the right time and better for tax purposes anyway, even though it's a horrible tax bill to pay after selling the business, but obviously you sold the business. So it's a kind of a a nice bill to pay in a really weird way. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure your, uh, you know, your ex-staff, if I may call them, might understand at least through this podcast, they might truly understand your intentions and I'm hoping that all is well now. 
so, I hope so. Yeah. And, and that's yes. something that if I could touch on maybe like running the business, I found quite a lot is that the good intentions mean a lot, I think. And yeah, you know, I definitely did make the right decisions all the time. And, and me and the other directors and owners, and you know, we didn't always make the right things, but we were trying and we were trying to share that with the staff at the time, you know, and all the staff will quite happily say that we tried doing stuff and I'm sure we got a load of stuff wrong, but the fact we were at least trying and trying to improve things. And, you know, as soon as we get feedback from a customer, from a member of staff, we'd then try and fix it by doing something. Even if it was just like a gut reaction and we did the wrong thing, we still tried it. And then we tweaked it and get it, hopefully get it right over the years. And I think that's how the support kind of system developed. We tried loads of things. You find the stuff that works and then obviously carry on doing the stuff that works. If you're listening to Superpod, the No Filter MSP show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps us bring more amazing guests, improve discoverability, and more importantly, acts as a push for our team to produce more quality interviews. Tweet or send us a screenshot of your review, and we have a surprise gift coming your way. Perfect. You know, I think we spoke enough about acquisitions now, I think, <laughs> you know, grilled you enough, I feel. So let's move on to one of your favorite topics or, you know, one of the things that I really like when I see uh, seeing your videos was, you know, uh, you keep saying the small business owners uh, don't focus on branding. And that's especially true of uh, MSP owners or IT businesses, because these are techies who start businesses and they, we seldom focus on stuff like, you know, branding and stuff like that. So, you know, my question is not around the importance of branding because I think it's spoken to, you know, data case in the MSP world. So let's say if I am an ex- starting out, I'm starting an MSP today. Let's say if I'm an existing MSP and I want to get started with branding. So what do you recommend uh, we do? You know, if you can just break down the steps, one, two, yep. three. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, so the initial stuff and probably the more obvious things are obviously websites, get a logo designed and graphics and colors and fonts and those kind of what I probably call yeah. basics. Um, slap them on your on your email footers slap them on your website anything you you have should then have that branding on it and that's kind of the very very base fundamentals of One you know, brands yeah. you know as soon as you're doing anything online it should always have like your logos on it make sure you've got your mm-hmm. linkedin social media profiles again all the same colors all the same logos that's kind of i think i did a video about it a, a few weeks back and it's like that's always like level one of branding is get like the super basics in there and then branding for me i never really understood branding and how to you know how do you build a brand and for all intents and purposes, I don't think I still really understand it. It just kind of, it's something that happens and develops over time. For me, it happened when customers started coming to us or not even customers, just just general public started coming to us and going, hey, I absolutely love the brand you've built. And going, I've built a brand. Cool. Okay, yeah. that sounds good. And it, it just happened to be over you know, a series of like all the things we were doing just built up on top of each other. And a video marketing was yeah. you know, a big part of that because video itself is a big branding thing. You can, again, brand your themes and your colors and logos and those kind of things but it's actually like the whole personality piece that comes out of it. And you can plaster it across, you know, all your social media and video and YouTube, obviously very big on YouTube, but just doing that aspect of things, which most people won't do, I found. And that's kind of what got me into it. That, that enticed me because I was like, well, if you know, 99% of business owners won't do this video thing, then if I'm in that 1% that does, then that, you know, maybe that puts me ahead of all those other 99% of other companies. You know, maybe not yeah. because they've got some other great marketing and other things going on. But for video, and now I guess I'm being quite well known for doing video and MSPs and those kind of things, because again, not many people are doing it. And there are some other fantastic people that are doing it really well, but there's only a few of them. And that's the key thing. So doing that just helped build the brand. And then then your branding becomes more than just a logo. It's, you know, your attitude and your personality, your, your ethics, like how do you deal with things? How do you look after your customers? How do you look after your staff? We did a video that's, I mean, on the face of it, it's not got many views on YouTube. It's just a video about what do you get when you work here? 
And it was just, we pay people on time, they get free drinks, we go and have staff events when we could have staff events and go out and hotels and restaurants and those kind of things. And it, it was nothing, nothing in my eyes as special per se, but the number of people that commented off the back of that, we had CVs coming through all going, you know, I don't know if you've got any jobs going, but I would just love to work there because I just love what, love your business, love the way you do things, love your personality. Amazing. All, all, all those benefits sound incredible. It's like benefits, what we pay people on time. It's like, yeah. Apparently, lots of people don't pay their staff on time, which I never knew oh. before. But it's, it's those things that you're just, you know, as a business owner, you're just in the trenches day to day. You're just doing what you're doing. And maybe you yeah. just don't realize the stuff you're doing is anything special. And it just takes yeah. a video just to talk about, you know, the super blase, boring stuff that you're just doing day to day. And people just yeah. go, hey, that's actually, that's really clever or really good or love what you're doing. And we yeah. had so many people, not even just off, not not even customers or prospective customers. That was the thing that's, mm-hmm. that shocked me with doing this branding and video was that they started receiving letters i received some chocolate through the post some other presents from other it company owners and they were going mm-hmm. been watching you for you know months or years or whatever it was thank you so much for the content you've put out really value it like here's here's a little gift as a bit of a thank you just even not even a gift just a letter to say thank you i was just so humbled to read it and just go hey people are people are watching my stuff that aren't my customers or prospective customers because the whole point of us doing video was I need to do videos so we can you know, market ourselves and hopefully acquire yeah. customers through it. And, and you do acquire customers through it, but it also opens you up to, well, recruitment and just helping other IT business owners, which sounds really strange because you don't, you don't want to help your competition, do you, really, normally? But yeah. actually what seems to have happened, and for the good in the last few years, is everything, you know, the whole industry's opened up. Everyone's now sharing how they're doing things. LinkedIn, I've seen a massive change. Rather, It's gone from rather a whole selling piece of like this is our products and services and oh, how we do things to hey can I have help with this because I'm not sure what I'm doing with this or I'm just trying to figure out how this works who else there can can help me and, and everyone's just become so much more open on LinkedIn and everyone's now getting stuck yep. in and, and helping people and you know it's having some fantastic causes there's Adam Voss a Voss 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 however you say his name I'm sure will tell me off <laughs> there's a guy on LinkedIn who's looking for laptops for yeah loads of people are looking for laptops to give to school kids and schools for, for home learning now put a LinkedIn post out. There's so many other IT companies now commenting on there trying, trying to say, yep, I can get you some of this. I can get you some hard disks. I yep. can find out I've got supplier. It's just so nice to see, which I didn't see this two years ago. Yep. Even even 18 yep. months ago, it wasn't really there. It was just everyone's yep. acting themselves on LinkedIn. Correct. I think my biggest takeaway though, I didn't, uh, you know, you didn't exactly say it, is, you know, consistency, right? Because you've been doing this for years, right? Posting on LinkedIn, talking about video marketing over years. And that kind of became your brand because, you know, more often than not, you know, marketers or MSP owners tend to think that, okay, I have a website, I have a logo, I have a blog section, I have an about me section, and hence, you know, I have a brand. But it's it's really the consistency because as you kept saying, there are a lot of people who have benefited from your content. It's only because you've posted regularly, right? So that was my biggest takeaway. You know, if you pick a niche, it could be whatever, right? What was interesting about what you said was, you know, you spoke about your internal processes, by the virtue of which a lot of other people benefited. So that's yeah. branding 101 right there. You know, you, you teach or, you know, you just talk the, about your own internal stuff. The thing I learned over time has been that you want to, the stuff that should be in the videos is stuff that people may want to pay you for. And you feel like you're almost oversharing and giving away too much because it helps other people. And that's that's the key thing is it's actually genuinely helping other people with yes. zero expectation of a return. You're not expecting anybody to come back to you and buy or, or become a customer or whatever it is. You're just putting content out that, that was genuinely useful. And what will happen there, and one particular one, which is of interest. So Cyber Essential Certification, there's a whole like PDF of questions, you know, 
50 questions or 100 questions, whatever it is. And a few of my clients have done this and we did this ourselves many years or a couple of years ago. Make a video and go through and answer all those questions. In fact, we had a guy in on the show, really nice guy, Marcus Dempsey. He's a like accredited Cyber Essentials assessor. He ran through all of the questions with us, discussed exactly how you would answer each question. And then you just put that on YouTube and go, here's how you answer it. You know, if you need any help, then give me a call. But mm-hmm. if you just watch the video, you'll be able to answer the questions yourselves. And what will happen there is that you'll get the people that just want to do it themselves and will go and do it themselves. But they'll now be watching your video going, oh, this is really useful information. Thank you. Like, And they'll think of you and they'll really respect you because you've helped them out basically for free. And then you get the people that can't be bothered and will pay you to do it anyway because they had no intentions of buying. And hey, there's a video they're talking to them through how to do it. Well, A, maybe they'll just give it to their PA or someone and get them to do it and they'll fail and phone you up anyway. Or B, they will literally just give it to you because they're like, well, you, they, you obviously know what you're talking about. So let's just, you just come in and do it for us. So you're not really losing yeah. anything at yeah. all. And there was a guy I was speaking to just saying, trying to explain this to him. It's like, but I don't want to do that. I'm going to give all the answers and nobody's going to buy from me because it's all there on, on, on the website. Well, yes and no. I think you're just kind of missing the point <laughs> behind this whole thing. And it's that expectation of a return. And when I started out, it was literally... I'm going to do one video every single week for a year, 18 months, possibly even two years. And I won't expect a single view, a single like, a single comment, a single subscriber, a single sale for that entire year or two year period. That's how long I was. And I had to set my expectations that I'm going to commit some time and money to this thing without any return. Because what happens is that you won't get a return. Most often, you won't get returns straight away. You know, you're not going to put video out and people are going to go, oh, he's doing video. Let's go and he can do our IT now. It needs to be consistent. Lots of different content just to show your expertise and show your personality. That, that's a very important piece as well. And then over time, it just kind of stacks up on itself. It's just like authority stacking. I don't know if that's a thing, but stacking authority, authority every single video. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Authority. Yeah. So it's just having so much information that people just look at you. They look at your social media. They look at your YouTube channel and go, He's put out 100 videos all about like useful stuff. Maybe it's entertaining stuff, showing the inside workings of his business. Why would anybody show how their business works? Well, actually, because if customers are looking and they go, oh, hey, they do actually treat their staff really well, or you know, they're looking after their customers, they're getting to see the inner stuff that most companies don't share because they don't want to give away the secrets. Well, actually, it's oh. those secrets that will help them acquire customers. And if someone comes along and pinches the, the ideas and tries to put it in their own business, well, they're already a step behind. I mean, there are things, there are videos we put out that gave away the inner secrets. And then a month later, I would have changed the way we would have done that anyway to try and improve it and make it better. So they're already playing catch up and already a step behind. So I never worry about giving away your secrets because if, you know, if you're running your own business, you're running at like light speed. The number of times I came in and, and said to my staff, so we're going to do it this way today. We need to try and change the way the phones work or the way the tickets come in. And we need to try this out. And they'd hate me for it. And I had a few, not arguments, but a few disagreements when they were just like, oh, he's not changed things again, has he? And it's just one of those things that you just want to keep improving on yourself. So just finding something and improve on it every every day, like they're on. Got it. Got it. I think, yeah, as I said, try to out teach or just teach your audience something and do that consistently over probably a year, year and a half, two years, three years before you know suddenly you wake up and it takes off so i think that's yeah. that's a great 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 insight Pete, uh, regarding branding so since uh, you know you stress so much on video and stuff like that they're going to be like a lot of hooky video marketers who are one just going to be shy to uh, come in front of the camera they don't know a head or tail about you know what gadgets to buy so let's say if i was getting started as an msp owner i'm getting started with video marketing today 
So what are the one or two things, you know, with from an accessory point of view, would you recommend people get? We'll so, probably link it in our show notes. Two really straightforward things. Go to youtube.com slash Pete Matheson. There's a video on it in there. Or it's an old video, but there's a video on it. There'll be an updated one coming soon. And then kit.co slash Pete Matheson. It's basically just a kit list. And I've got some kits on there that are super, super starters, intermediates, and like public blogging if you're out and about, or just like a fixed setup location like this. So there's a few different kits in there. But but certainly the basics, I mean, camera, audio, lighting. That's ultimately what it boils down to. Camera, you can get away with poor quality to begin with. And I say poor quality. I mean, you can pick up a camera for 100 or 200 pounds that's secondhand that will do 1080 video and be just as good as what you're seeing right now and camera wise. Lighting's probably the next best thing. A, sunlight, sit next to a window, fixed. Or you can look at getting like a fairly cheapish box. Like, uh, So the one I've got here is a Godox SL60W, which is like a 100 pound light, I think it is, about 100 pounds on Amazon. And then there's just a massive softbox on the front of this. Again, it's about 50 pounds or 100 pounds for the softbox. And that just, essentially that is my sun. So it's, it's daylight color. So it's effectively replaces the sun. Gives me a nice little soft light. So it just looks, looks like daylight. And I've just noticed my focus is off. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so make sure you, you have your camera's in focus. So the light and then the audio. So the audio, I've got a microphone that's sat up here and it's wired straight back into the camera. And just if the video quality's bad, you can forgive that if the audio's good. But if yeah. the audio is bad, but the video quality is great, but you can't hear what they're saying, people aren't going to aren't going to watch. They just yes. can't hear you properly. Yes. So it's just well so, worth getting that bit fixed. Yeah. So lights, yes. lights, audio, camera, definitely. Yes. Do you want me to fix my focus? Because the focus will let me, let me fix that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're getting up to fix it, actually. Wow. Yes, yeah, literally. Okay, it's, it'll only take a second. <laughs> <laughs> there is it. There's this. There's the flip. Awesome. You know, as you're doing that, I'm going to be browsing uh, kid.co slash uh, Pete. And I'm looking at... Um, See if I sit down now. Yeah. Look, if I if I come in, it it stays in focus now. There we go. <laughs> okay. oh, well, it looks perfect. <laughs> okay. Now that we talked about the accessory aspect, uh, you know, I want to kind of get into getting started, right? So, you know, I've assembled all my accessories. Where do I even get started? So, you know, let's take Pete like probably four or five years back. Is that when you started video marketing? <laughs> No, it's more recent, actually. I think it was maybe three years, actually, because we've, we've had a year okay. of pandemic. I mean, that's gone so quickly, but yeah, about yeah. three years. So let's say I take Pete, uh, T minus three years, and I ask you, hey, Pete, you know, here's all your starter accessories that I've got from my friend Pete. <laughs> so what would you get started with if you if you were an MSP owner? So for me, my, my go-to is, well, firstly, for the camera shy people, mm-hmm. there is no easy fix. It's just a case of just get on with it. <laughs> that sounds really horrible. But for, for me, my kind of motivation was the fact that nobody else was doing it. So I was like, if I can get over myself and get over being camera shy, and I hated being on camera, I hated editing myself, hearing my own voice, it's, it's horrendous. But if you can get over that, then that will help put yourself ahead of you know others that aren't doing that. So there is no key thing to fixing it. I guess the key thing to fixing it is just doing more of them. If you can do videos and maybe try and incorporate videos into your day-to-day working, you know, particularly nowadays, it's a bit easier because you're just video chatting all day, every day. But if you're talking to customers, well, hey, if you try like a FaceTime or something where you're talking just straight to a camera and there are, there are services like BombBomb and Loom, which are ways of sending emails to clients, but you're sending a video as an email attachment. So you basically pick up your phone, say your message, 30 seconds of, hey, I just sent you a quote, blah, 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 whatever it is send and you're sending them a video message and that just naturally gets you used to talking to nobody because you're just talking to a camera at that point yeah. it, it's those things and, and it is literally that it's just just practice keep making videos 
And I think the important thing is send those videos and do something with them. So don't just yeah. keep filming yourself and going, oh, that's not very good. Let's try again next time. And then you try it again like a hundred times and you still haven't posted a video. My first video is still up there on LinkedIn, on, on YouTube. It's me sat in like the boardroom that we had at the time. I had all my notes on a TV, a massive TV next to me, which you can see in the reflection of the windows that were behind me because I hadn't set it up properly. The audio was off. It was really echoey. It's not perfect by far. I walked in and, and bumped my knee when I was going to sit down and I just included that because I thought, hey, that's funny and relaxes the mood yeah. a little bit. Just just put out a video. And so that's kind of for the, the shy people. And then in terms of the content, content is one of the easiest things when you're running an IT company. First of all, look at your help desk, look at what's coming through, the, the issues that are coming through day to day, the common issues, do you know? Do the common issues first. There's a really, really great book called They Ask, You Answer by Marcus Sheridan, which is a whole way of marketing your business and yes, using video as part of it, but using other myth- methods as well. And the whole purpose of that is answer your customers' questions. That's your job. That's, that's the only thing you do. So look at your help desk, see the issues that are coming through. If you know there are things that are going on that would be great, like how-tos, then yeah, make how-to content. That is such a massive resource. And if you're looking at that and you still can't find anything, which is just mind-blowing if you can't find anything through that, then just look at cybersecurity. That's a perfect starting opportunity. Why do you need antivirus? Why do you need email security? Web security, are you backing your data up? You know, There's like 20, 30 topics there on, on its own. And that's yeah. how I started. I started off with my first video was, here's all the things you need in cybersecurity, which was like a 10, 15-minute video. And then every video for the next 15 or 20 videos after that was breaking each one of those down of, okay, in this video, we're going to talk about antivirus and why you need it and why you need it on your servers. Because people, some people I meet tell me we don't need antivirus on our service. They're crazy. You know, those kind of weird things. You just make a video about that. And what happened for me is I got to my video 10, 15, whatever it was. And then I found other things to do videos on. So I never actually finished off that cybersecurity series because I just got distracted and, you know, other shiny things. I was like, oh, I'm going to make a video about that now. And, and things happen, events happen, you know, news happens. So just try and talk about the stuff that's taking your interest at the time. And I think it has to be that way to a certain respect, because if you are doing stuff about stuff you don't care about, you get bored after a while and you just, you'll just never carry on. And again, going back to your consistency, consistency is key. So yeah. I literally put out a video every single week for, mm-hmm. I think it was 18 months, maybe two years before I took a single week off. And sometimes I'd batch film and record one, two, maybe three in one week. So I had some scheduled, but make sure you're putting out something so that people get no get you know get get used to the fact that hey Thursdays at two o'clock there's a video from so and so every every single week and they just get used to it so much so that they might then post you a message if you haven't posted that way. I had that once so I I didn't post a video that first time I didn't post a video. A friend of mine posted a message saying what's happened where have you gone there's no video this week it's like hey that's really cool because they actually take note and pay attention. Got it. I think, you know, what's very interesting is the suite of topics available to, you know, ID, IT or MSP folks to start, talk from, because as you rightly said, you have various sources, right? Because the very thriving community, you know what, what's difficult for MSP owners and your end clients through your help desk. So I think, you know, one, my biggest takeaway was, you know, do away with your, with your shyness only because you have that advantage of only 1% of the folks are doing it. So you already be in the top 1%, even by posting a very, very horrible video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's great. Okay, so I just want to move on to one more topic that's really close to our heart. And, you know, something that, again, I think you posted in your LinkedIn, if I'm not right, about our mental health and MSPs. Not much has been spoken about. I know there's some conversations happening on Reddit and stuff like that. I just wanted to know because, you know, one more thing why I wanted to talk to you about this was, you know, your introduction video on your website said 
uh, having happy employees check having a profitable business check because i think you said that before even revenue having happy employees and people who rave about your you know your company to others their friends and their relatives alike so just wanted to get your thoughts on you know, the mental battles that demons that msp owners kind of battle what helped you and you know how did you help your what did you do as an msp owner for your employees and stuff like that yeah definitely well i was just quickly looking up that reddit post because that was i mean that's an eye opening post if anyone goes to see reddit on that i think i found that just randomly and i was just stunned that everyone's answers was basically how do you cope with stress as an msp owner the vast majority was just i do a lot of drugs and i was like wow that's a starting point right there yeah it's such a difficult thing with with it business owners and with business owners in general particularly with what's going on nowadays you know struggling to keep their businesses afloat trying to keep all their staff happy the customers happy dealing with stuff that changes daily even hourly with boris johnson's announcements and, and all the kind of global announcements it is just so difficult and my advice has always been to try and make sure you take time off for me i'd always try and make sure i had at least a quarterly holiday where i could try and switch off for a week or two weeks easier said than done probably nowadays because you know those week or two weeks well a you can't leave your house anyway and b maybe you can't because you need to be there running things and keeping the ship afloat because just just a lot's going on so i think taking care of yourself is certainly key because if you're not taking care of yourself then you can't tend take care of your staff you know go out for exercise exercise is a fantastic thing i've never been into the gym i've never been into running i've since selling the business joined a gym now we're in lockdown i'm now running which i never thought i'd ever be that kind of person that has a gym membership and goes to the gym but those things make such a massive difference and for me it was always ice hockey music playing the drums because when you're doing something like that you physically cannot think about work because you're so busy concentrating on the other thing like with ice hockey obviously you can't play it now but if you've got a whole room of people shouting at you whilst you're playing ice hockey there's not one chance you could be thinking of oh hey if i gave that report to dave then he might be able to do something something with it it's just you just don't get a chance to think of that so that was really important yeah. so you actually cannot physically think about work and we're not just talking about like reading a book and you know it's watching some tv because you can still sit there and your mind wanders it's something yeah. that physically makes it impossible so i think that's yeah. definitely a good thing to try and commit to and fit that into your schedule somehow mm-hmm. and then for staff again i think communication is the biggest yeah. thing Interesting. So one of my coaching clients we were chatting to a few days ago, chatting about mental health and that they asked their staff and said, like, look, you know, do we need to do anything mental health wise? And all of the staff were like, no, no, don't, no, we're absolutely fine. No, everything's fine. And then we've now put in place a Office Vibe. There's a really, really good tool called Office Vibe. You can sign up. It's completely free for like the basic tier and you can upgrade to get extra reports and, and comments and those kind of things. But by putting Office Vibe out and they put it out to their staff and they've had it running for a few weeks. And one of their lowest scores was care of their staff or, you know, mental health of their staff and those kind of things. And it's like, well, hey, we, we asked them all and they said they're all fine. But actually what the reports we're getting back from like these anonymous comments are actually that they're not fine. So we need to address that. So A, just putting that tool in place. So Office Vibe helps a lot because you can collect anonymous feedback from your staff and it asks really good questions. It's not just like, how are you feeling today? It's legitimate questions like, how do your managers help you, you know, progress your career? And do you feel like you can ask for help when you need it? And all those kind of things that really dig into the company as well. So doing that is one thing. And then another thing that I found really good to do, and I would recommend it to all business owners, is to put your staff on the MHFA course, that Mental Health First Aider course. Not quite sure how they're delivering that. I'm assuming it's remote with everything going on right now. But if you can put your staff on that, it helps if they happen to be dealing with anything themselves that even you might not know about, it helps them through that because it tries to help them open them up and spot their triggers. So they know when they're going to, you know, go off on, you know, a mental health issue or something along, along those things. But then it also helps them spot it in other people. So, you know, if you have 
techies talking to techies and no one's understanding each other and then they all get frustrated because no one's listening. Yeah. It just helps them figure that out because they might then go, oh, hang on a minute, maybe I need to approach this from a different angle because I can see this is upsetting him. And you know, he might go home and think that I've had a go at him when I haven't had a go at him. I'm just trying to explain something. It's that whole thing. So I think from a recommendations point of view, those two tools together work really nice. And business owners themselves, you know, if you can find the time, I haven't actually taken it myself personally, and I really should do. Mm -hmm. But if you can find the time, yeah, would highly recommend to do that as well. Perfect. I think those were very actionable uh, tips, Pete. Uh, I think nothing more to elaborate. You've elaborated it enough. I'm hoping our listeners got, you know, really some valuable insights. So, okay, so so coming to the, you know, fag end of our show, we have one final rapid fire round. So let your answers be rapid and full of fire. (laughs) Go for it. We'll see what comes out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first up, what's your biggest MSP pet peeve? Pet peeve. I'm trying to think. Pet peeve. This is rapid fire round. Pet peeve. You're on ticking clock. What's my pet peeve? Lying. Lying about things. (laughs) Okay, got it. MSPs that lie and make stuff up. Okay, got it. Okay. So I'll make this one easy. Number one resource uh, you recommend for MSPs. You know, your channel not included because it's anyways going to be on everyone's list. Are we talking strictly YouTube? You know, it could be anything, a book or a community or anything. Uh, okay, so resources. So book-wise, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. Like, fantastic. Absolutely recommend that. YouTube channels. Oh, there, there are tons. I would definitely say Tom Lawrence. He's got an interesting take in terms of how he's grown his YouTube channel. He's very much just like techie stuff. Here's how he can figure things. Definitely have a look at that. Sam Sheridan. He's kind of a up-and-coming Tom Lawrence, if I'm allowed to say that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he takes that the right way. Who else is there? Oh, there's, there's tons of people. Other books. Attraction by Gino Wickman. Okay. That's a really good read, read as well. Perfect. And resources. One last one, Tech Tribe. I can't go without saying Tech Tribe for resources. Wow. Fantastic. Awesome. I think Tech Tribe and uh, you know Tom Lawrence seem to be pretty famous. So next one, your advice to someone, one advice to someone starting an MSP today. Sorry, say again? One advice to someone starting an MSP today. One bit of advice. Just do one thing and move on to the next thing. Wow. Okay. Next one. Okay. You know, video that's slightly unrehearsed or fully scripted videos? Both. Personally, I'll go for fully scripted now. It's easier. Okay. Okay. So your favorite football club since you're from England? My favorite football club? Yeah. I don't do football at all. None of them. Awful sport. Ah, That's going to really upset a load of people. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm not really into my sport. I'm into my music more than my sport. Ah, okay. Then what's your favorite band? I have too many choices, but random one off the cuff. Biffy Clyro. Ah, perfect. Okay. Nice one. So, okay, last question. So uh, we usually do this with every guest. You know, you were nominated by Mark Popman. So who would you recommend as a guest or super Bowl the Nofield Premier show? Oh, who would I recommend? Have you spoken to Richard Tubb yet? Oh, yes. You've we- done Richard Tubb. Okay. Paul, I'll work my way around in between. Is Paul Green? No, Paul Green was the first one. So. Oh, damn. Okay. Chris Timms. Oh, okay. Now, I think we'll have him next to the list then. Yeah, Chris Tim's a good one, definitely. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I think that was a great uh, conversation, Pete, starting from MSP acquisitions, looking at qualitative, quantitative aspects, you know, going just through your journey, you know, branding, video marketing, you know, mental health, I think, you know, just shows the range of topics that you have discussed and going into depth. I think I really had a great conversation. Fantastic. So I appreciate that. Yes. It's been interesting. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much for joining and hopefully we post you again real soon. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. <laughs>